Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. My name is Josh Desch. I'm the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined as always by my wife, the melodious Betsy. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. You are melodious, and that I think that adjective will make some sense as we get into this episode. I do love to sing, and I do love music. And you are you are a good singer. Thank you. You are a good singer, and you know music history well. And folks, we're excited to have a two-part interview episode about the topic of worship, and we've got a couple of incredible guests with us here in the studio. We have Northeast Presbyterian Church's very own Director of Music, Jeremy Bizard. Jeremy, hello, hello. thanks for being here. Hey, Jeremy. So happy to be here. As well as our Assistant Director of Music, Carrie Roberts. Carrie, thank hello, you for Hello, hello. So glad you're here. Yes. <laughs> now, first thing we have to say is, because I know every church doesn't have this, we're tremendously blessed to have a team here at NEPC. So uh, we actually also have a church organist. We have a fabulous admin assistant in the music ministry. So we have an abundance of riches uh, but but these two folks, the two leaders of our ministry, are just such a blessing to so many. And that's as as you know, and as we've talked about, uh, they're not just incredibly talented lead worshipers, mm-hmm. but they're also incredibly thoughtful, yes, mature, Christ pursuing disciples. Very much so. And it's mm-hmm. really obvious, folks. You come to our church, which, hey, we'd love to have you 9.30 in the morning mm-hmm. <laughs> on Sundays, or you can watch the live stream. I was not planning on saying this, anyprez.com, dash, <laughs> dash live stream. That commercial um, over. <laughs> yeah, that's done. We'd love for you to check it out. But if, if you ever come to one of our worship services, you would see that. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're very excited. This is a conversation that we've wanted to have for a good while, and uh, we're just grateful that the conversation could work out today. So episode one, we're going to start out with this topic, growing as worshipers, Mm -hmm. growing as worshipers. In part two of this interview, we're going to have a slightly different focus here. But Bets, why don't you kick us off asking our first question to Jeremy and Carrie? Right. So y'all, we really want uh, to hear your worship story, quote unquote. Um, As Josh said, we've just seen your amazing gifts being used for the Lord in so many ways. Um, so we'd love for you to tell us how you got to be where you are now. What's happened on your journey so far? So Carrie, why don't you kick us off? Okay. Well, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor and, um, my mom was leading the music for much of the time that I was a small child. So I just kind of learned sitting at her feet basically and watching what was happening. And, um, my parents came to Christ in the like 1969, the Jesus movement. Mm. So the culture of music that I grew up in was very much the, the worship songs and choruses and um, lots of freedom and never sang hymns. Mm. <laughs> and mm. It was just one of those things that uh, I didn't know. And then as I got to be a teenager and moving through um, high school, I started going to youth group with friends because um, where my dad pastor didn't have a youth program. And uh, that was at a Baptist church, and I started, of course, we sang some hymns growing up, but we didn't sing a lot. Um, I started appreciating the hymns and sort of the, the foundational um, music of the, of the church of that time. So I feel like I had sort of a wide range of experience when it came to churches that I was in growing up. And then I went to college. I guess I kind of always thought I would just kind of go into that CCM sort of scene, contemporary Christian music. That's what my mom did, and I sang with her 
mm-hmm. you know, growing up. And leading worship just kind of was a, I don't know, it was kind of an ambiguous thing. It was like I was going to s- be a singer. And you are an amazing singer. singer. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I um, So I went to college to just kind of, I, like, I don't know if anybody knows the group Truth. Um, there was, it's a, it was a, it was a, it was 20 year old singing group that was, uh, they usually had like six or eight people and they did amazing harmonies and just this, and I loved that. I wanted to be in truth. That was like my goal. The idea of me like standing on a stage doing concerts by myself was always really horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I never really wanted to do that scene, but in college, I became more involved in the opera and musical theater, so that's like a passion of mine I love. But in the, as far as worship goes, it really sort of started to become its own thing in my life when I was in college. And um, in 1998, I went to the Passion Conference. It was the mm. second one ever mm. in Austin, Texas. And that really marked me as far as what it looks like to be a worship leader and what um, you know, what was God's purpose for me in that arena? And um, it was really impactful. And so from that point, I really began to just kind of uh, grow in that and what does it look like to be a worship leader? And I did that for all the years from college onward. And then my family was on the mission field for seven years and I didn't lead worship at all mm. wow. <laughs> until maybe the last year. Then I started a little bit at the little church we were at. Um, so coming back to the States and jumping back in, having a worship ministry with my best friend for a while and, and doing that still some on the side and then getting a job here has just been um, kind of what brought me here. And um, being at a place where I'm able to use the gifts that God's given me and also now to have kind of a place to help bring along our worship culture and and be involved in the planning. and the It's really exciting, and I mm. love it. And you bring a lot of creativity to the different Oh, absolutely. Elements of the service and the the different services we do during the year. You you just have that creative flair that God's given you, and it's so yeah, awesome. Yeah, Carrie won't mention her stage background in terms of musicals and this sort of thing, but she's off the charts there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're big fans, you can tell. <laughs> honestly, Betsy and I have said yes, so many times, yes. we're like, could have done Broadway, absolutely. Uh-huh. I mean, it absolutely could have been yep. you, 100%. Yep. Um, so you do bring a lot of creativity. Mm-hmm. I love that mm-hmm. word, Carrie, that you use worship culture. Let's let's come back to that word um, and a little bit what what is meant by that. But Jeremy, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your story. Yeah. Yeah, and let me say before I start that I love that you're starting with growing as worshipers is sort of the the theme for this episode, because I think so often we just uh, look at people and we make judgments about their worship. We say, oh, that's that kind of worshiper. Oh, they're comfortable with this. They're comfortable Mm -hmm. with that. And Mm -hmm. we don't realize that worship is a journey and that the Lord has to take us from one point to another, uh, just with so many other aspects of our Christian walk. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's absolutely been a journey. Uh, Well, the Lord uh, made me to be a person who just loves music. I Mm. just adore it. When I was in, I remembered thinking about this when I was in, uh, I think it was maybe third grade. I was eligible for one of the pullout uh, programs. I think it was called Alert if you're a a native of South Carolina. And I actually Mm -hmm. uh, remember at that time being pulled out uh, of Alert kept me from being able to go to music class. Okay. Mm. And and I don't remember how it all came about. I was it's been quite, you know, I was young, but I opted 
to go to music class instead. I really wanted that to do that. So I just love music. And so um, then fast forwarding way into my, into my teenage years, the Lord, the Lord called me to himself very strongly. And I responded when I was Mm -hmm. about 15 and he did it through music. I actually remembered this just a couple of days ago. We went to a worship conference here in the, in uh, Columbia area and there was a Michael W. Smith song back in 1995 called I'm Waiting for You. And the Lord actually used that song very much to personally call my heart to Him. And I just picked the lyrics up here. It says, uh, it says, I walked this road so very long ago to show the way so you would know. I walked the road with holes in my hands and feet to make the way. Come follow me. And so the Lord just used that in my life and drew my heart and pulled me in. And he continued to do that um, all throughout uh, my teenage years and as I began to grow up in him to begin with. I just always came back to worship music, and he would continue to speak to me through various songs. Um, And so that's a huge part of uh, where I came from in my worship story. Mm. I've I've been leading worship for a long time. It probably wasn't until my mid-30s somewhere I really felt that the right direction for me was to go into full-time mm. worship ministry. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's a, that's a long story, but getting here five or six years ago, uh, it I, I haven't even looked back. It has been the best decision, and I absolutely love it. I love what I get to do. Um, I love that I get to interact with music, but then in, in, a, in a better way to interact with it through um, worship the gospel. Wow. Yeah. Great, great journey. Yeah. For both and, of you guys. Uh, both of you just, Jeremy, we so appreciate your vocal talents are amazing. And, um, you know, we're just like being super hardcore fans right now, Tom, but, uh, <laughs> we, we, do that? we love both of your yeah. voices oh. and Jeremy, your, your heart to shepherd is so clear as you worship lead. And we really appreciate that about you. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Last, like just shameless plug of you guys. But I, I do like to tell the story about how for six years, Betsy and I lived in Metro New York in northern New Jersey, which, as everyone knows, uh, is the center of the universe. Okay, that's a little sarcastic <laughs> there, but but that's what everybody in Manhattan thinks, and that's how they act. And uh, not everybody. Of course, there's wonderful people. We, we were at so many wonderful Christians. We were at a great church. But at any rate, you know, you could go hop on a bus and go to a Broadway play and all that. But I still remember the first time that... Uh, we came to a worship service here at the church and, and we got to hear you guys saying, Betsy said, there's, they are just as talented as anything that, mm-hmm. that we've ever heard. Mm-hmm. So God's given you guys tons of talent, but it's the heart that we are most impressed with. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry to all of our New York yeah. <laughs> listeners. We love you. Our New York, New Jersey. Maybe that was too hard. Uh, but, I feel like you, you know, said that before. Yeah. yeah but those, <laughs> Sorry, guys. All those folks up we there. We love you so much. They're very tough. Okay. They face harder things on their commute to work every day. Than what I just said. Okay, That's let's true. let's jump let's jump to the next question. Um, I want to go to I want to skip over one question, Betts, and go to this next one. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a lead worshiper? And then maybe you can also talk to us a little bit about what's it mean to have a worship culture. What's it? What is a worship culture? Uh, so maybe you could connect those two thoughts. So. Um, what's it mean to be a lead worshiper? Uh, of course, that's obviously a little bit of a turn on worship leader, uh, which is what we probably all grew up thinking about. Oh, that's a worship leader. And then uh, let's talk a little bit about worship culture too. Well, I can go back to um, really, again, some of the earliest experiences 
that I've had in worship and as I came into uh, the worship culture really of the 90s and the early 2000s and watching other worship leaders at various times. And I, I came to recognize over a period of time that the the ones who drew me the most into worship were the ones who themselves were worshiping the most mm-hmm. when they led. And so I was never drawn uh, by people who would uh, have a lot of hype in their leadership, um, sort of, you know, we all... We all have some experience somewhere where we've seen a worship leader trying to drum up hype and try to get the crowd riled up and mm-hmm. try to garner a response through some sort of persuasion or manipulation. And I was just never drawn to any of that. So, yeah, I, I just I saw a few key worship leaders in my early years who truly worshipped and engaged themselves. It was it was physically evident. It was it was verbally evident. And so to me, that is the best model or the best way of leading worship is to be a model of worship. Jeremy, would you draw a distinction there? Would you say that um, as a participant instead of a performer, is that is that not helpful or or is that, um, I'm just thinking about your language here of someone who's actively worshiping themselves. Um, I guess I would think of maybe the opposite of that would be, would be what? Someone that's just using the talents that they have? Well, or? you know, what I would say maybe is that we often, as as worship leaders, we wrestle with the tension between the horizontal and the vertical, mm. you know, uh, okay. and uh, hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a way in which we want to bring people along with us. We want to address um, a congregation so that they want to follow or they will follow, but at the same time, there has to be that individual and personal expression of worship uh, upwards, you know, mm. toward the Lord. Um, so maybe I see it as that kind of question. There's always a little bit of tension there because you need you need both. Mm-hmm. You need both. I feel like if you if it's too much vertical, people feel that you're disengaged from them. But if it's too much horizontal, then you're distracting them from focusing on what you want them to focus on. Mm-hmm. So, what would y'all say in terms of worship culture? What is that? How is that created? That was the one I wanted you to answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've talked well, about worship culture for, you know, all the time that we've worked together here. Yeah. So, you know, talk yeah. about I mean, I think it's probably pretty self explanatory. It's just I think every every worshiping community has a culture. Mm. And by that you mean things that are normal, things that are yes. expected. What does it sound like? What does it mm. feel like? What does it look like? Mm. What you know, what is what is the environment like? Um how do the people engage? Those those things can shift over time, just like styles of music shift or like styles of clothes shift mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. They change over time. And not that the object of our worship ever changes or the the way that we engage God ever changes, but I think we can sometimes our our culture is defi- defined sort of by what we've always done or what we're used to doing or what the tradition says or, you know, what our, what our liturgy looks like. It can Mm -hmm. be defined by, you know, those sort of exterior things, or it can be defined more by, okay, where is God taking us in this Mm. season? What are the needs of the body right now? And then, Mm -hmm. and, and how do we engage God together in a way that we're, you know, that brings us all in and gives us a culture that is pursuing the same thing together. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, and I would say that when we think about worship culture, 
uh, more so than just the externals, we think about flipping those words around and having a culture of worship, mm. you know, like Carrie's talking about with engaging God, what does that look like? I think the engagement and the desire for that engagement to be part of who we are is always present, regardless of what any of the externals look like. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that ever, that any culture is necessarily bad or, you know, needs to be thrown out, but that uh, it can be built upon. And sure. just, mm-hmm. you know, just even like if we look at our, at our social culture in the last couple of years, thinking about how things have changed in our in just in this Absolutely. in the yeah. social world where things yep. are being brought to the front and saying look mm-hmm. at this this mm-hmm. needs to change let's add on to the way we're doing this and let's you know let's shift our focus on some of these things i think the same thing can be true with church culture and worship culture mm-hmm. yes mm. that's helpful because it's easy to think about music in the church as simply what songs did we sing and what instruments did they use mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But those would be sort of the very surface level questions of culture. Absolutely. And, and you guys are pointing at something far deeper. Well, so as we have this discussion, it's probably helpful to think about, you know, we've used the term worship and we, we're really using that to mean specifically music because as we, yeah. as we all know, all of our worship service is Worship. worship. Right. And, we, and we are good Presbyterians of as course. well, Betsy. <laughs> the means of grace. So, we're all about oh, it. Of, yes, we are. We are. And we would say all of life is worship. That's right. We, mm-hmm. we, of course, we would say that. There's obviously Bible verses that say that. Uh, but we don't want to qualify every time we That's right. we say it. So yes. we're using worship. By worship this minute, we are still talking about music. Yeah, we're yeah. using it as it's understood in our culture. Right. Uh, which is with music and singing. So one thing that is so fascinating about God is he clearly loves music. I mean, he invented it. He gave humans the capacity to sing, birds sing, you know, there, the, the human voice never fails to fascinate me because we all have the exact same anatomy. Everybody has the same part. How do we all sound so different? That mm. never fails mm. to blow my yeah. mind. Wow. It just gives such glory to God, I, I think. I think you just destroyed naturalistic evolution. I in, did. In like two sentences, <laughs> right Betsy. You just That's destroyed it. Literally. That is all it takes. So wow. I just am endlessly wow. fascinated by even people's speaking voices, how you can hear it and you instantly know who it is. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so clearly God loves music. He gave us the capacity. He gave us the, the creativity. You know, we are made in his image and I love how people develop those creative gifts. So, um, what parts, are there any parts of scripture that stick out to either of you that mention, um, worship and and music that are most meaningful to you and why? Hmm. I mean, obviously the Psalms is full of so much music. Yes. yes, yes. Um I've and I just want to say too y'all have led the choir in in the last couple months in some Shane and Shane arrangements of the psalms. Those have been amazing. It's like straight scripture. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, is there any any parts that stick out to you that are meaningful? One of my favorite. I mean, there's a lot of worship moments in scripture that that I'm really drawn to that I love. One of my favorite though that really specifically around music is from um Second Chronicles 20. Mm. That's one of my favorite mm. just sort of stories where, you know, I, I forget all the who the tribes are or the whatever that's coming against them, the people mm. of God. But Jehoshaphat is the one that's the king there and he's praying and they fast and they, you know, get before the Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. And the prophets stand up and say, you're going to win this battle. And 
what did they do but dress up the musicians and send them out? <laughs> and <laughs> the musicians go out and they sing praise to God and the enemies destroy themselves. Wow. And, wow. Um, and so it's just like that's, that has always been to me one very clear example of how, well, you know, God appointed the musicians and the singers, the Levites, during that time. And so they were put there for that purpose and how God used the music to bring the power to destroy the enemy. Mm. And it was just like, that was it. Nobody fought, (laughs) you know, nobody fought. They just, and he, and he said, you know, he just stood up and said, believe what God said Mm. and you're going to win this battle. Mm. And they did, they went out, they played the music. And then, and that's, I think that happens a lot through the old Testament is the the worshipers go out first. Yeah. Um, That's an awesome thing. The walls of Jericho Mm -hmm. come down when the trumpets blow, you know, (laughs) it's just music. Music is a weapon. Mm. And, um, Mm. That's so true. That'll preach too. That's good. I'm yeah. taking that one home today. Yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah. for you, Jeremy? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I could go so many directions from what Carrie just said, and and there's there is so much, and I'm gonna ignore all of the Psalms. Actually, one of the things that one of the places that just strikes me and and really draws me in is Revelation four and five, mm. where we get to see a picture of worship. In heaven, and wow. the more I have meditated on those passages, the more I've sung songs that come straight from those passages. Mm-hmm. We have many of them, mm-hmm. and the more I've thought about what it is that the Lord has done for us in those moments of Scripture, um, it just amazes me that we get to see this tiny, tiny glimpse of what is happening in heaven around the throne. And, you know, I, if we would take just a few minutes to consider all of the all of the challenges and tensions that we feel around worship in in the earth, just in the physical realm that we're in, and then look at Revelation and look at the magnificence of what's happening and understand that the response of the living creatures around the throne and the response of the elders to the very presence of God is to fall on their face before him. Mm. And I just think it's... What should our worship look like? This is, it just makes me kind of contemplate. What should our worship look like now if God has given us just this glimpse of a really intense picture of what's happening in heaven? And you can read about a very similar incident with Isaiah in mm-hmm. Isaiah 6. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's uh, I love Revelation 4 and 5. Mm. Yeah, that, that is just powerful. There's so many places that, that we could go in the Bible one of my convictions as a believer, as a pastor, is that if you don't like worship, you won't like heaven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that can sound a little bit flippant, but I think if we really consider it, will there be anyone in heaven who doesn't like worship? And the the very sobering answer is no, there will not. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely essential to being a follower of Christ that you delight in worship and that you participate in worship. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't see if someone could make a scriptural case to me that you could be a, a true disciple of Jesus, but say, I'll pass on worship. Mm. That's for other Christians. I like these other parts of the Christian life. I like to serve. I like to read the Bible. I like to pray. I don't know. But, and of course, those are worship too, but, but singing and music, I don't care for that part. I mm-hmm. don't see it. I don't mm-hmm. see how you can really be mm-hmm. a, a follower of the of the Lord. And, and can I jump in on that, Josh, yeah. too, to say that, you know, we were talking about this earlier, that 
so much of worship, uh, really, really all of worship needs to be around this idea of encounter. Um, and that's what we get out of these pictures in Revelation and, and other places. So, again, removing ourselves from the cultural understanding that we're talking with now, that worship equates to music and singing, right. whereas really when you look at Scripture and you see these these moments that have been captured for us, worship is is a response to an encounter mm. with a living God. Mm. Mm. And that doesn't always look like singing. And it mm. doesn't. No, it doesn't. Mm. Like yeah. you think about the woman who came in and, poured out the oil on Jesus' feet and washed his feet with her tears and dried it with her hair. Like, Mm. you know, that was worship. Mm. She wasn't singing to him, but that was her heart being poured out to him. So like, I think we can, we can do that in in our corporate setting as well. Mm. (laughs) You know, Mm. I I have, I have a question. So this may fit more in the second section that we're going to do together, but I am curious what would you both say to someone who comes to church Sunday morning feeling drained? They're just kind of there because they know they need to be there, but hearts are completely disengaged. How does that person move from where they are into an attitude of worship? So, Betsy, I'm going to do something I've never done before. We're going to leave the audience with a cliffhanger. Oh, you just did that. (laughs) You've got to come back for episode two of our discussion on worship to hear the answer to that amazing question by my wife. Thank you for joining us for an incredible discussion on worship, growing as worshipers. We're going to be back with part two of this episode. Mm -hmm, Don't miss it. Working your worship muscles. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.